Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast. Yet again, another special episode from Outdoor Retailer Show in Salt Lake City, Utah. This episode, we will be talking with Jeff Browning, straight off his Western States Hard Rock Double. So if this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Trail Manners Podcast. We are still here at Outdoor Retailer Show, Salt Lake City, Utah. Joel and I have got a gem in hand. We've got the, uh, just in 2016, I mean, there's a lot going on, but 2016, Hurt 100, first place. Yep. Skip forward a few months, and then you get into Western States. Not Wait, a bad. there was another one in there. What? There was? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. What was Pre-state it? Pre-State 100K. That was uh, uh, in April. April, right. Yeah. And then we jump to the Western States, third place in 1630, Hard Rock, two weeks later. Fourth place, 2542. We've got Jeff Browning with us right now. Yeah. Super psyched. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We know you're busy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, stoked to be on. So, yeah, thanks I mean, for having me. There's so many things we want to talk to you about, and I know you're busy and all the topics, but, I mean, just a, a brief background of, you know, your running, because you've been doing it a while. but Yeah, 16 years. Yeah, but this year's been a little different, right? I mean, your training's changed. Yeah. And, obviously, your, your, your races have been stellar. Right. Yeah. yeah. So tell us, just tell us, uh, our listeners and stuff, a little bit about you know you a little bit. Well, I mean, I've been doing it 16. I got into it from mountain biking, so I have a background in endurance sports before ultra running, um, mainly casually mountain biking. I raced a little bit and worked at a bike shop in college in the early 90s, kind of an early adopter of mountain biking. Um, but you know, got my first mountain bike in like '93, I think, or something. Um, and uh, you know, always been a runner, but just casual, like 20-minute runs with the dog. And, and I grew up on a 700-acre farm in Missouri, so, like, ran everywhere. Um, you know, the creek to play, to run to get a tool for my dad in the oh, shop, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and, and to my grandma's to get ice cream out yeah. of deep freeze. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my, my grandparents always lived a quarter mile away, so I, I was really good at a half, half mile. mile. Yeah. Quarter mile there, ice cream that. in hand, quarter mile back. <laughs> that's, that's the ice cream half mile. Run, yeah, right? ice cream half mile. But grandma's always had the best ice cream. <laughs> totally. They totally do. And, uh, but got into ultra running in like uh, early 2000s, like 01, ran my first 50K, and mainly was training for Western States 100 in 02, and that's the reason I started running ultras in the first place. I'd heard of Western States, and I wanted to run it, but I realized you had to qualify with a 50-miler and, <laughs> and to get in the lottery. And, and so it, it was a, my impatient self didn't like it very much, but I was forced to run other, a bunch of other races leading up to that 02 Western States. 
um, I think five or six ultras before that. And by the time I hit the finish line, I was totally hooked. Um, and then, you know, uh, slowly got faster. I came to it more from like, you know, mountain biking, backpacking background. Okay. And so I kind of came to it just slow running, you know, just kind of mid to, you know, top 30% type running. Okay. Um, and uh, I didn't start getting fast or faster and trying to run faster until about 04, 05. Um, and, you know, and then I started having some success at hundreds and won a few hundreds, Bighorn a couple times. And um, that got me hooked on, like, you know, really focusing my training. Um, there's something about winning that <laughs> kind of gets addictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would know that. We just talked about <laughs> Dom, Dom Layfield said the same thing. Yeah. Because he said the best thing that ever happened to him was getting on the podium. Because then he's like, I believe I can do this now. That's really, right? it gives you confidence. And, I, you know, back then, Bighorn, you know, was, you know, we didn't have the deep fields that we have. The, the, the times now and the speeds are way crazy. I mean, I've come to it from, like, when it was a small little cult sport. Right. And, and seen it, like, grow and blossom and just crazy younger guys getting in it, you yeah. know. And, you know, 20-year-old winning Western States. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and so, like, that was unheard of, you know. Like, when I got into it, I was young, you know, 28. And, uh, um, but anyway, you know, I just kind of kept plugging away and learning how to train and reading. And, um, I've always kind of been a tactician and like to dig in and, and read things. And, and so I did, got hold of a lot of Arthur Lydiard's early literature and right. on training and back in the two thousands. And, and I realized that I was okay at long distance. I was, you know, I'm not very, I don't have the best leg speed, but, um, I'm pretty good when it gets longer, and I found that hundreds were kind of my distance, and so I really focused on those, you know, um, after a couple of wins at Bighorn, and you know, just kept kind of chalking up hundred mile wins, and um, and you know, kept trying to get into Western States, and <laughs> freaking couldn't get in, <laughs> and uh, and like you know, I just wasn't quite in the, t the Golden Ticket races. I'm just not quite with all those young guys that are yeah. super yeah. fast. Like I just, you know, I'd be like. Fourth, fifth, <laughs> right. seventh, just you know, right like, off the never, ticket, just not quite there. Constantly the bridesmaid, yeah. right? <laughs> so thank, thank goodness that Ultra became a sponsor, and I was already in, you know, Hard Rock and um, and in the lottery, and so because I, I had a, had a couple finishes there already, and so it makes it a little easier. You're in the in that that bu other bucket, right? In the lottery, so you know, got into Western States. Thank goodness to Ultra and. Um, finally got a shot at Western States, and I just wanted a shot. I kept telling yeah. everyone, I was like, I just want a shot, man. <laughs> I just want to give like, it a I shot. I want to see what I can do on that course. Like, I've only, I did it as my first 100. You didn't, you don't know anything in your first 100. Yeah. Right. You know, and uh, I, I just wanted to do it before I got too old. And, and the clock was ticking, man. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, you know, because I, I tried to start getting back into that when I was, like, you know, you know in my mid-30s. And then it, like, took a long time, and I finally got back in at 44. And, um but 14-year hiatus, but it was worth the wait. Right. Um, I was making sure I wasn't going to blow it. <laughs> well, from t 2002 to this year, you cut seven hours off your time right in yeah, that yeah. neighborhood. Oh, yeah. So so that's pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, pretty good. yeah, it's not, not too bad. <laughs> so how did, like, I mean, we don't want to fast forward too much, but, like, the this year, I mean, with the double, I mean, that was big, people talking about it. I mean, you pick, I mean, the double, Western, Hard Rock, two of the creme de la creme races, two different, completely different types of races. How did your training go into that? Was was hurt training for it, or was hurt like an A race? No, nah, hurt hurt was just 
wanted to do her. It's been on a bucket list for a long time. <laughs> like a vacation the, race. What's that? It was like a vacation race. Yeah, totally. And it, you know, it's been on my list for a long time. I just it never worked with my schedule. Right. Um, I knew about it from a long time ago. You know, one one of the race directors, Jeff Huff. Um, I actually shared time in the Memorial Day training runs in 2002, training for Western States, um, with him, and uh, he knew my buddy Rod Bean and because um, Rod's from Hawaii and originally and so like you know that those two like had knew each other and we ended up running together with him and and that's how it was my introduction to like hurt had just started mm. and uh so i always you know rod had always told me like dude you're a good technical runner i'd like to see what you could do on hurt's course and so it was always in my head like that's on a bucket list i'm gonna do it eventually um so this year worked out and i felt good after utmf and so i like decided like i would you know, I kind of recovered well, and I was like, well, I might as well just pick training. I took a little break, and then might as well pick break training right back up. And you know, when you're 44, and now I just turned 45 yesterday. Oh, so happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. thanks. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, your clock's kind of ticking. It is. And, uh, and so, like, I've been just sandwiching in hundreds, all my bucket list <laughs> hundreds the last few years. Like, I've been running, you know, I'm running four this year. I ran four two years ago. I ran oh. three last year. So, um you know, I just kind of like I'm cramming, and uh, so that's why I ran it. Okay. You know, no no particular reason, and just other than I wanted to do it. And then, you know, I was going back to visit my family, so I threw in a race in Kansas, the Free State Hundred K. I used to mountain bike that single track at Clinton Lake State Park near Lawrence, Kansas, where KU is, University of Kansas. And so I have a little there's a little nostalgia there. So yeah. I wanted to, like, you know. Go, go run those trails. There's a, it's a sweet 20-mile single-track loop, and mm-hmm. the race does three laps for 100K. Um, I felt like I could go grab the course record there, too, and, um, and which it worked out. And, you know, I, me and another guy, a guy from Nebraska who's super fast, um, pushed, he pushed me, and we pushed each other, and um, we both went under the course record. Wow. I just happened to edge him out and <laughs> by about 10 or 11 minutes. And, um, and yeah, and so... That that was kind of my training, that 100K, recovering from that, Memorial Day training runs. Had a little calf issue going into, after the Memorial Day training runs, I did a really stupid thing, which I would never <laughs> coach my clients to do. <laughs> you know, do a three-day block of 70 miles and then wow. take a day off and then go to tempo work. Oh, um, And I just, I cramped a little in my calf. And by the time I got home, I was limping on it. And um, I thought it was just tight muscle, got a bunch of body work over about a week and it wasn't getting any better and it ended up taking about three weeks to heal so which means it was a tear right. some kind of micro tear but i was able to like get on my bike you know coming from a biking background i just that's the first thing i go to and got on my road bike every day and then was able to run like 20 minutes on so i'd go ride an hour and a half on bike and then 20 minutes so i didn't get to do my last like big training block right before you know western states which you know my my quads my downhill legs weren't quite as sharp as they normally would be and my cruising speed because i didn't get to do my last tempo workouts was a little stale so i was pretty conservative in the especially in the first 25 30 miles i was worried about the calf mm-hmm. you know i did a test to run a week out and it was okay i didn't feel it so it was like mentally that was when i was kind of okay the race is on you know i'll be fine i think <laughs> and uh we'll see <laughs> i was freaking out though you, you asked my wife I, there was like a cloud in the browning household oh, no. like following me around like eeyore <laughs> because you got your shot and now you're not, yeah you're i got my in. shot and, yeah. and 
you know, and they, you know, and ultra, you know, they, uh, Matt Trappy was planning on following me for both races That's with right. video, right. and so there, there was that added pressure, right. and I was like, man, I'm gonna blow it. <laughs> I just blew it by doing stupid training, you know. Um, but it ended up being okay, and you know, I just went a little conservative on it the first 20, 25 miles, and then it, it felt okay. So then I, I quit thinking about it and raced. Well, I mean, there's so much. I mean, we could jump around so much because kind of what you're saying right now because you had hard rock two weeks after so heading into western well, 19 days i got an extra week this year normally oh, it's 12 oh okay oh. all so right this year was 19 okay well 19 days between those two <laughs> cheater right so how, did you go into it with a different mindset than you would have went into another 100 miler knowing that you had hard rock 19 days later because they're two dramatically different races right no like i went into western states racing it okay like okay. i won a top 10 okay like, i got finally got a shot yeah. I, want, I didn't want to blow it Right. So I really wanted the top 10. That was my goal, you know. You know, top 10, but really wanted top five, and I was, you know, secretly wanted a podium. Um, so, you know, that was definitely a focus, and my plan was to race Western States and then show up at Hard Rock and finish. Gotcha. I just wanted another finish there. <laughs> but then everyone started talking about the double <laughs> and started talking about there's a record, right? which I didn't even know about. And I was like, huh, well, at that point, I was like, well, I'm going to do both. And let's just I'll see what I do at Western States. It all depends on you know your first time, yeah. if you're even close. True. And so I got done, and you know I was you know 40 minutes of rears to to Nick, but I felt like I could run Hard Rock well mm-hmm. um, if I recovered re- well enough. So you know I knew I had a potential to like get that time, get the record, but um, you never know. Like it all depends on recovery. Yeah. So. Well, because you went into Western and like third place, 16:30. So not only top 10 top five but you did podium so that race itself did it go according to plan did it work out better than you thought did well you i didn't run as fast as i wanted to run okay um you know i had a goal of, of a little faster than that you know for splits that i had but but with this i knew i probably couldn't hit those splits and i even told my crew i know i'm not sure if i can hit these splits because of my last month of training okay you know i didn't get that last little peak like that sharpening you get um so so I knew I might be a little flat. So I, but but I knew I could still, you know, just based on experience, it was my that you know Western was twenty fourth hundred. So I knew like just based on like how many ultras I'd run and how many hundreds I run in in the past in the sixteen years that there's there's a, there's a muscle memory there that right. you know you don't necessarily need all that sharpening for a hundred, but it's nice to have, especially from a confidence standpoint of knowing I can hammer this downhill early and not be and not blow up. So. You know, it just made me a little more conservative early, which I think that's... And that's where I lost the splits. Okay. Um, was in the, you know, first 40 miles that I had, on, you know, written down. I'm not going to tell you what those are, but... <laughs> <laughs> I can tell that you're kind of... I was going to ask because I'm like... But I'll be going for those say. next year. Oh, sure. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> so, so hopefully I'm going faster than 1630 next well, year. Well, just watch your training block the month out, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so Western States happens, okay? The, the recovery... Okay, because you have 19 days plus travel, okay, yep. which is different. Now you got a different course. What's your what was your recovery like? Um, well, I immediately, you know, I concentrate on nutrition and, and moving again. So, uh, you know, finished Western States Saturday. You know, took Sunday to drive back home, which I drove. My <laughs> I drove home. And um, Northwest. My wife right? did. Yeah, I live in Bend, Bend. so you know, about eight hour eight hour drive or whatever, eight and a half. But my my wife drove for about an hour in the middle. She gave me a little break. A little break. I like, put my feet up, and then I drove the rest of the way. Um, but Monday I was moving. Um, 
45 minute walk at lunch. Did that for a week. And the Sunday, you know, a week later, took seven days off of just walking. Strength, one strength training session to restore range of motion. I, te I teach a strength training class okay. um, at a local uh, gym. So uh, I always do, I don't miss that. If I'm in town, it's Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m., I don't miss it. Um, and so I just, you know, strength training is super important, especially if you're plus 35, 40. <laughs> you should have strength training in your training regimen, people. Listen, um, it really helps with recovery and for injury prevention. So never miss that. And then, you know, started running, jogging like 20 minutes on Sunday and with my wife, super slow with some hike breaks. And um, then jogged like four days in a row, took a day off, flew to Durango and drove up to Cunningham Gulch and camped at 10-4 and, <laughs> and got on the course Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay, so you're at a week early then about. Yeah, I went a okay. week early. Uh, I, I, I was already acclimated, partially acclimated. I use an altitude mask at home, so... Um, I'm already acclimated during the season, so I just needed. I for Hard Rock so tall, so big, and so high that you need a little like that extra week of like getting something. I'm already slightly at, or well acclimated. It's just to come in and like psh, put the icing on the cake. Um, so like coming in and just going up high every day and sleeping at 10 four, so like going mm -hmm. up to 13 or 14. Um, you know, I did my tester run. I always do a tester run a week out from the race. You know, five or six, seven days out, and go run ten, like a 10 miler. And if you feel okay, you know, and don't feel just dead flat, um, it's a good sign. And I felt good. I went up handies, you know, the 14-er in the race and yeah. from Grouse and did an out and back. But I, you know, hiked and jogged downhill slow with some hike breaks. I mean, it took like four hours or something. Um, but just on my feet. And and I felt good. Like, anytime I was, you know, my legs, legs felt good. Like, when I'd run, I'd ran a couple of little, like, pickups on the downhill, and my quads didn't feel flat. And I was like, okay, like, like the little testers, you know, little 15, 20-second testers, like, eh, it feels okay. So that was encouraging mentally, you know. Uh, and then kept getting on the course every day, and everything was coming around. And then I moved down to Silverton on Wednesday, the last two days before the race, which you're moving from 10.4 down to 9,300, so $1,100, 1,100 feet, and all of a sudden it's like, hmm, body's like, ooh, oxygen. I feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sleeping in a bed, and, and but I got really good sleep. I came without my, my family went to Western States, but because they were two, those two were so close together and you got to go for a week, my wife was just like, let the kids pick which one they wanted to go to, and they chose Western States because they'd already been to Hard Rock, and so they, and they hadn't been to Western States. So, um, yeah, I ended up, you know, being by myself and camping and hanging out and just sleeping like 10 hours a night, and, wow. which helps with acclimation as well and, and, fi and the final rest before the race. Well, be being a coach, because now, when, again, I've, I haven't run either race. You know, one of them's on my bucket list. One kind of is. I haven't run either race, but as a coach, would you train differently for those races? Like, oh, yeah, okay. totally. So how, would, how did your training mentality go in knowing that they're two different races? I mean, did you train f just for Western and see what happens at Hard Rock or kind of mix in a little well, bit? Well, my plan was to, if I would have got that last month of training in, um, my plan was to really train hard, steep power hiking, which, which correlates to the canyons yeah. in Western States. But, so I was well-trained for Hard Rock hiking. I'd done a lot of hike training, a lot of pow hard power hiking, steep stuff. Um, and then uh, for Western States, you really need a lot of tempo work because there's a lot of just so much runnable 
like at a, at a solid pace with that big of a field. So normally it would do, do a, a lot more tempo work for something like Western States. You know, there's a lot of downhill, so you got to train your. Those two are similar in that you have to train a lot of downhill, for, you know, for hard rock in Western States. But you know, I I mainly just did heat training. Was planning on doing downhill last downhill sessions and and tempo, and then and then just let the chips fall where they may at hard rock. Um, but you know, it's I mean, ultra you know, mountain training is not that different. Hard rock, you just would just do more steep, you know, more steep stuff like hard hard technical stuff. You know, especially steep downhills too, because there's a lot of like really gnarly technical footing especially up on top of the passes when you're coming off where you're just like super steep downhills. Whereas, you know, all the downhills at Western States are pretty runnable. Now with, with West, now we'll jump back into hard rock cause you were rested for 19 days and you had your, your podium finish at Western. Was there a point at hard rock where you were like, cause earlier you said you were just wanting to finish, you know, do the race. Is there a point that you wanted to say, okay, I'm going to go for it. Did that, was that before the race? It was a before, certain point there definitely the before the race. Cause we'd been talking about the di- double record. And okay. so I was going after it. And so I already knew like I needed to run, you know, like twenty seven Oh two or faster at hard rock. And I had run twenty six fifty eight in 2014 with a 70 minute break with a lightning storm oh, okay. in, the right. in uh, American Basin. So I knew that, like, I knew I could run, you know, sub 26 on that course on a right day um, with weather cooperating and all that kind of stuff. Um, and your body cooperating. <laughs> <laughs> the other big key. <laughs> the other big key. But um, I, I definitely was, was ready to, like, throw down. I, I knew, like, after the testers in, in when I got into Gra- or into Cunningham and camped and on those testing runs the week before the race, everything, all systems seemed to check out. So I was definitely, like, like focused on getting Conf- the record. Confidence was yeah, there, yeah, the mental, mental side of it. Yeah, mental side was there. Um, I, don't like to, I don't like to waste op- opportunities. I mean, I take time away from my family, my wife and three kids, and, you know, I kind of feel like, so one of the reasons that I've only have one DNF and over a hundred ultras, wow. like that's because I rolled an ankle at UTMB. So there's unfinished business there too. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's one of those that if I'm going to take that time away from them, I, I'm not going to drop out okay. unless it's an injury or life threatening. And I've even stayed in it when it was life threatening <laughs> in the lightning storm in 2014 yeah. to hard rock. Yeah. It was scary, man. But I was definitely like, I don't want to die. <laughs> I have kids. <laughs> I have kids. Well, me and Joel talked about that. We were talking oh, about yeah. something else. And as you get old, I mean, you'll take certain risks when you're, when you're not a family man or younger. You're but right. when you get older, these other things flash. Oh, yeah, and it's man. like, yeah, yeah it's I'm not really gonna, worth it. Yeah, I'm right? not going to do that anymore. Yeah, right? we, we were talking to Peter Downing this morning about yeah, that. Yep. And we were like, no, I don't take those risks anymore. Yeah, that you like might have taken to. 20 years ago, 15 years yeah, ago. 20, exactly. 20, yeah, because we ran into my friend from Jackson 20 years ago. And we're like, yeah, we're taking those risks back then, but not now. Not now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I didn't want to leave my wife a widow, so. Um, <laughs> for something. Because she'd well, probably kill you if you did. Yeah. For, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she would have digged me up. Yep. <laughs> Do it again. And smacked you with the shovel. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> now, now, with Hard Rock, because, you know, it is always a stacked field every year, right? Did you have your game plan going out? You've run it how many times besides Hard this Rock? Year? This, yeah, this, that was my third finish third this year. Finish. So, so I've been there two times. Comfortable with the course? Have you gone both directions? Yeah, I've been in both directions. Okay. 
So, and I, I just recently, the direction this year was, I did the same in 2014. Okay. Okay. So super familiar. I just went and scouted some of the key spots, like uh, Virginia's Pass with the snowfield, see what the conditions were like in the snowfield. Mm-hmm. Um, had re-scouted, like, the stuff, like, going up Little Giant at the end and out of Cunningham, because I was camping in Cunningham and up Ma- into Maggie, towards Maggie, um, that whole section, just because those are really good to have in your head at the end. Like, just knowing what's coming in front of you, Little Giant is so hard at the end of the race. You know, you're at 91 or 92 miles, and you have to climb almost 3,000 feet in two miles. Wow. You know, Brutal. up to 13.1 or whatever it is up for the top. Or, and so it's just, it's brutal, and it, you know, it's, it seems really, when you're fresh, it doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But when you get in the race, it's just like, you've already got a little, you know, little, you've been pushing at altitude, and you've got a little pulmonary edema maybe, and, you know, there's always, everyone has the hard rock hack after yeah. Yeah. after the race um, a little bit for a day or so, and, you know, just pushing your lungs at that altitude, it's it's tough. And so you just, it's, 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 it's kind of a slog. You know the last part, that last climb. Right when you, right when you smell the barn, you slog at three thousand yeah. feet in some yeah, altitude. Yeah, it feels like it takes forever because there's all these like little false sections where you come around a corner and you're like, oh man, we're not even close. <laughs> come around a corner, oh no, this has got to be it. No, that's not that's it. Not it. <laughs> so you did it in what twenty five forty two. Yep. So under twenty six, just like yep. you mentioned. So things fell together for you through yep. the race. Yeah, totally. Did you have like, I mean, it's hard rock, it's a hundred miler, but did you have those sections, not of necessarily doubt, but those funks, those bonks, those low sections, or did it for the I most part I didn't really have any like, like, like energy low sections in that race. Um, I, I mean, since I've made this kind of adaptation to optimize the fat metabolism thing, you know, it's, <laughs> I haven't had any bonks um, this year at all um, in 300s. So, um, but you know, you still do like, uh, I had a foot issue, um, after at the end of Western States, I had a maceration in my right foot, right ball of foot. So it's like a little fold, you know, your feet get kind of pruney and they yeah. fold over on itself and it's like super painful. Um, it feels like a blister pops on the bottom ball of your foot. Like when I finished, I was convinced I had a giant pop blister. <laughs> it was so hot, hurt so bad, but I took it off and it's like I, there wasn't anything there. And then you look really close. Oh, there's a little fold. Mm. It's like dang, that thing's sore. But like the the skin dies and then it sloughs off. So like you know, it peels and like looks like you got a sunburn. You know, and peels all off. So it, I had fresh skin there, and and so going into Hard Rock, that was my biggest concern because my legs felt okay the week out, but I was really concerned about the foot. You know, like hammering thirty. 4,000 feet of downhill wet feet and, and you're going to be wet again. Yeah. So I had, had, I had done some research when I got home from Western States and, and on how to take care of it. Um, did a lot of Epsom salt bath soaks on my foot and then, you know, really worked on like, you know, using an emery board and trying to get some of the skin off. And then I bought some special, some extra, some did a research, a ton of research on like adventure racers, uh, oh, yeah. and, and backpackers and, prevention and like what to put on it and it's like I, can't, I found a lube that i that i tried out new and had tested in training um and so i was going to use that and so i used that pre kind of before the race and then i had my crew had it and and i felt it at 18 like coming down wow. the second downhill i was like oh man this sucks <laughs> like i this i can't have this happening 18 miles in yeah, yeah of hard rock <laughs> yeah, right. you know you're just like that gets in your head <laughs> And so I, but I knew like it was, it was fine on the uphills. It was just hurt on the downhills. And so I was like, okay, I got down into, um, uh, Telluride to see crew for the first time. 
And I immediately was like, I need the lube. I need, I got, I got to take care of it. So I sat down, peeled sock back, lubed it, put the sock back on, shoe back on, like went. And then I just did it, you know, at Uray, did it at Grouse and changed socks at Grouse. And I just had to stay on it and, and be proactive. And it got better. Like it, it, it hurt more at mile 18 than it did at mile 50. Gotcha. So, and it, progressively got better and I, tr- I i did some acrobatics to get across some creeks to keep my feet dry uh-huh. you know normally i would have just like not worried about it right. and just gone through but um there are some places up in pole creek up by the continental divide trail that you can't avoid there's a big couple pond kind of slow moving sections of like stagnant water that are like almost you know probably crotch deep waist deep and like I couldn't avoid those. Can't pull I mean, I that, tried so. in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. Parkour. Yeah. yeah, I totally. I was like, oh, I, I went up like 40 yards one way, 40 yards the other. It's like, there's no place to cross. So I was like, okay, I got to go through. <laughs> got to get wet. But it was fine. It ended up being fine. That's good. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you brought it up right now because it's, it's a big topic. So, I mean, we've been covering, you know, your racing, what, you know, you've been doing, which is just phenomenal i mean everybody i mean i don't care who you are you're looking at that's that's impressive not just 19 days apart two of the biggest races but the time you did it in the double so to say and, yeah. and the record from nick clark i think is the one that had it before yep uh before you but you mentioned it a minute ago and i know that's the big hot topic right it's getting big me and joel talk about it we've talked to you know Vespa. Yeah, some people don't think it's think it's a fad it's yeah so so i know and it, it's a big topic and i mean a big topic it's not something you're going to learn about in an hour or two hours you got to do your due diligence but you went fat adaptive yeah right? yeah yeah so like i you know i i kind of was forced um in 2015 i had some like pretty bad gi issues like with uh um i, I came back from you know, a couple trips to South America and I, I came back with some weird GI stuff and, um, I ended up being, it ended up being like a, like a pretty bad candida, like yeast overgrowth in my GI tract. Okay. Um, you know, just itchy inside, like couldn't get to it. Like your belly itches and it, really it was not it. cool. It was <laughs> oh. not cool. It, it was like so something was in your th- belly all the time. Yeah. Just? But I couldn't itch it. You know oh. what I mean? Like it just sucked. Just thinking about eating a cactus or something. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's just like, it was horrible. And I had like five, four or five flare ups in 2015. So, um, especially after when my immune system be down after a hundred or something. And, uh, and it would be horrible. I would miss a night of sleep, couldn't sleep, itching so bad. Um, I'd have some rash flare-ups too on the, you know, externally. And, um, and so finally I, I, uh, you know, fourth or fifth flare-up, I can't remember. It was after UTMF and it was like November of 2015, end of November. And I was just desperate. I spent a week after a flare-up and it was like, you know, inside, outside, like flare-up. And I, I, I spent about 20, 30 hours in one week, basically every night from like, seven o'clock till midnight online reading forums researching what can i do about candida you know yeast how to get rid of it naturally you know i wasn't willing to take a bunch of hardcore medications i'm my wife and i are pretty organic and you know we we go out of our way to eat local and buy from local farms when i buy meat and stuff like that so i really was you know desperate and and so i I came across a forum that talked about just paleo primal blueprint type diet, you know, like cutting out grains, sugar, and legumes, basically. And uh, you can't, you know, yeast feeds on sugar, and you got to quit feeding it sugar. Well, I was really freaking out about that because I take gels during races and a lot of gels. And so I was like, what am I going to do for racing? You know, I I can't handle another flare-up. But 
you know, I, when I found this forum, I just, my wife had, my wife already has a little bit of like some sensitivity to carbohydrates, you know, kind of like hypoglycemia type symptoms. And, uh, and we'd already found that through natural eating. We ate a whole foods diet, organic whole foods diet. And, and we found that kind of like through, you know, we, we made a shift back in like Oh four and, um, and she had wanted to kind of go paleo for a while and cut out grains and, I was always like, I need my rice and potatoes, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And, and so I just wasn't, I wasn't willing to. And she had already had like three cookbooks. So when I said, I think we should try paleo primal thing, <laughs> oh. she was like, okay. Yeah. She, she's like, she I've had these go. cookbooks for three years. <laughs> and so she, we just broke out a cookbook and started making new new menu every night and uh, until we found like new comfort foods. And, uh, and I just started like listening to podcasts and reading online, and I came across uh, VespaPower.com's all their OFM stuff, yeah. and that's when my like I was fully focused after that. Like I was like, "Ooh, it could help with like endurance performance." Um, and the faster study had just come out that um, Dr. Volick did at um, University of Connecticut, um, and so you know that showed like the science. You know, if you do it in your everyday diet, you can be more adapted, you know, and to burn onboard fat. And, and, and it just, it, it meant you would just ate paleo primal. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just, I'm going to do that because it's going to help with candida. And it cleared up within a week. Wow. And, Jeez. and I, since then, I've only had one flare up and it was a minor one. After hurt, I drank a whole bottle of wine. And okay. There's some and sugar. There's in some that. sugar in there. <laughs> I kind of, well, I've been really strict. I had seven weeks, like December 1st of hurt. I had seven weeks to adapt, to get my body to adapt as best as possible. So I went really strict. I mean, I cut out coffee. I cut out everything. Whoa. I drink coffee now. I'll say, okay. hold on. No, no, no. <laughs> hold up, cowboy. I eat fat. I drink fat coffee now. But, but at the time, I, went, I did everything possible, like every little trick right. that I could do. And I was just in, inhaling, you know, podcasts and literature. I read, I read Volick and Finney's, you know, Art and Science of Low-Carb Living and, like, all the science behind it. Um, really got in the weeds. And, uh, it, you know, read The Big Fat Surprise and Primal Blueprint and all these different books. And, like, that, that's when I was like, okay, I, you know, I know, know the science shows that I can totally eat saturated fat and not be bad if I'm, my carb load's not super high. And so, you know, it's not going to clog my arteries or something. And, and, and so that's when I was kind of really focused from that point forward. And, um, and, and then, you know, the... The really what this is, there's a lot of misunderstanding with how to do this diet and endurance training. You don't eat fat during a race. It's just a high fat, low carb, moderate protein, um, you know, in your everyday diet. And then your strategic, after you do that initial adaptation phase of like, say it really takes about eight to 12 weeks to really, really fully get adapted, um, by kind of restricting carbs. Then you slowly like st you start strategically using carbs. So like fruit, mainly fruit and and starches like sweet potatoes and you're strategically using those around hard workouts um you know quality workouts um big volume that kind of stuff and and just what we call a carb sneak and then during the endurance event or a long run you use anything that works so okay. i use roctane you know goo roctane and um 
uh, mainly, and then some strategic strategic goo gels, you know, like Rocktane gels. Um, so how'd your stomach respond to that after restricting it for six to eight weeks? Well, I really restricted four weeks, and then I started strategically adding back in fruit and yeah. tubers here and there during, around. During the race, though, how's your your GI? It's fine. It's I have okay. no. Yeah, but the, the cool thing is, is like I used to take 350, 400 calories an hour, counting gels. You know, table food, drinks, yeah. everything. Um, and now I do a 200 or less. And that's just coming out mostly yes. goos, right? Yeah, ma yeah, mainly Roctane powder drink, okay. you know, in a bottle. Right. So, like, for me, it's, you know, uh, and I eat a little bit of, you know, salt, like salted plantain chips and unsweetened banana chips about once an hour. A little bit of solids, not much. Right. Um, but that's about all I go on now in hundreds. So it's half the calories I used to, you know, right. and I have 22 2200s under my belt that I did it the old way. Right. And now I do it this way, the last three, and feel great. Um, no GI stress. Right. Um, and, but you have to have the discipline to do this in your everyday life. Right. And, I think and that's to really get people. adapted. Yeah. I mean, you can get partially adapted by just right. doing some, you know, fasted runs and you right. can get a little more efficient. But the science, like, you know, the faster study really showed that, that the, the guys who are doing it in their everyday life, are burning a lot more calories from onboard fat. Well, it's a hour. lifestyle. It, it's really, all about it's, lifestyle. It's a lifestyle because you talk about it all the time. I mean, different shows we've had, different nutritionists on or different things. and It's not about a fad diet or be good for eight weeks or be right. good for ten weeks. It's a lifestyle. You can't yeah, it's just, a lifestyle you can't change. You can't just change your body and then go, oh, cool, I'm here, and then change back. Because I, I remember reading your race report for Hurt, and you talked about the training leading up to Hurt, some of the runs you went on trying to get away from all this stuff and you're bonking and feeling sluggish and you knew you had to fight through some of that is that right i mean really yeah I, I really had some rough rough long runs because I, I was doing this adaptation phase normally you would do it in the off season yeah. <laughs> and when you're like just like easy base mileage um with no real long runs and i did try to do it training for hurt yeah the so whole training plan. um i definitely had some like crappy workouts the first three weeks and and then they started coming around and then i started talking to you know um you know, uh, Zach Bitter and um, Peter Defty at, at Vespa. And they started give, giving me some consulting time and, like, helping me, like, kind of tweak it a little bit and started using the strategic carbohydrates. And that's when I started, like, really seeing a difference. Like, the pop came back, you know, in speed workouts yeah. and that kind of stuff and tempo workouts and in long runs. I just was taking less. You know, I just found that I could go on a lot less calories than I had previously because your body's adapted to burning onboard fat. And that's like when I read your hurt report, when you talked about running the, like in the race, like taking your gels, you were like, man, I just, I thought I should have been taking more because I was used to it, but I didn't right. need it. And I didn't feel like yeah. I needed it. I know I was very confident after hurt, but going into hurt, it was my first race on it. And yeah. I was just, I had all these backup plans with extra calories and drop bags and crew and telling them like, I, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, Jesse Haynes ended up crewing for my, my normal crew person got food poisoning the night before the race. Oh, so he couldn't do it. And then. Jesse's wife, Kira, who now wife, was fiance. Now, um, she ended up dropping. And, and so, like, by the halfway through the race, by about mile 30, well, maybe mile 30 or 40, he, he was like, I'm crewing for you, dude. And I was like, oh, sweet, you know. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> so, um, he ended up, you know, like, he had, we were sharing in a condo all together. And he, he I, you know, told him before the race, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if this is going to work, and, you know. And I'm going to try to go on less calories, but I, I may need these extra ones. And. I think I was really surprised when I was in the lead at like 47. I 
I left an aid station and I was like, dude, it's working. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> I was the like, I was science. more surprised than anyone. <laughs> the mad science yeah. of it all. But it was really cool. You That's know, I cool. felt really good in that race. Now, going forward from then and now today, I mean, I saw you down at the Ultraspire booth kind of talking about the it's a lifestyle, so your your eating is that's your life now, right? Yep. I mean, that's just normal because we were talking um, when you're on the road, it's harder to it's maybe a find food or yeah, eat. It's not that hard. I mean, I just not you know you know if I get a burger, I just ask for a burger with a lettuce wrap instead of bread, right. you know, and uh, I don't sweat it. You know, I mean, if I'm cheating a little, like I had sushi last night and I ate some rice, you know, I'm not it's not that big a deal. Um, you know, one meal is not going to hurt you. You're gonna it might knock you out of burning fat a little bit, but but, you know, you kind of want to, the whole point of this is not to be like, you know, it's not a ketogenic diet. You don't want to be in ketosis all the time, you know, because that's that's our one of our metabolic pathways to, like, deal in times of, like, when it isn't, when, when carbohydrates weren't ripe. Right. You know, when we don't have fruit, we didn't have, you know, it wasn't the harvest time. So we went, you know, we maybe had a high, you know, Paleolithic man, or, or <laughs> prior to conveniences of the grocery store, um, we we went you know lit long periods without high carbohydrate load, and so we ate high fat, um, protein, and and a little bit of carbs here and there, um, and then you know when things were ripe, we'd like gorge on carbohydrates. Yeah. So we have metabolic flexibility. We just live in a you know a, a convenient technology age where we can get anything out of season. At any, any time, time of the year. You can go to the grocery store and go get mangoes at any time of the year. Yep. Those are not in season here. Yeah. So, like, you know, having that constant high carb load that our bodies really aren't built to have it all the time. We're built to have it in seasons. So that's all I'm doing is mirroring that metabolically. I'm just doing it instead of on a quarterly basis, I'm doing it on a weekly basis. I'm just doing it around workouts. So, like, you know, sometimes I have a, a higher carb load. I'm just doing it from natural sources that I would get as a hunter-gatherer. Right. You know, I'm trying to mirror that, you know, uh, genetic code, okay. you know, the way we're wired. And, and at home, because, again, you were talking about your – what's, like, a typical day of food for you? Because I heard you talking about downstairs, like, salads with meats and eggs and high-fat meats, like a lamb, right? Yeah, yeah so, so, like, you know, a, a, a typical day would be get up, have – I make a – coffee with mct oil and heavy whipping cream um and then uh mid-morning i have a couple eggs cooked in coconut oil or butter or something you know something with a little bit of so some extra fat on it um or hard-boiled eggs with some olive oil you know drizzled on top and then um work out at lunch and then heavy salad so a lot of vegetables cut up on the salad um olive oil and sea salt on it or something with a little bit of leftover meat from the night before or like, you know, wild caught sardines or something like that. And then, uh, um, you know, usually maybe a like late afternoon snack of fruit, you know, maybe with a little nut butter or something like that or handful of seeds or something, you know, celery and nut butter or something like that. You know, not a ton of nut butter. I, I definitely don't do a ton of nuts and nut butter. You can crush several thousand calories and, and nuts right yeah and well really and it easy. has it has phytic acid it has yeah. a little bit of phytic acid in it so like you you definitely like want to limit you know nuts and seeds and the it can that, be a little hard to digest so yeah that acid causes a little bit of inflammation in well you. phytic you in you well phytic no phytic acid just is blocks you know um you know vitamin mineral absorption in the gut 
So, you know, all grains have phytic acid and gluten. Most grains have gluten in them. And and both of those are kind of like a little bit of, cause a little bit of an inflammation response in the GI tract. So, um, you know, I just, I just try to like have nuts and seeds in moderation. Right. Um, And then, you know, I, you know, in a bind, I might take a spoonful of coconut oil, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> or something. As if I'm running out the door to take a kid to karate or something, you know, <laughs> um, and I don't have time for a snack. I just like a oh, spoonful of coconut oil and go. I'm, I'm fine. Um, and then evenings, we usually do some kind of a big, my wife cooks a big dinner. And um, usually that's some kind of paleo, you know, type recipe. You know, when we first made the shift, we, we made a new recipe all the time so we could find new recipes like to replace our old ones. Um, and so we found a ton, you know, um, from this cookbook we had. And, we, you know, some we'd be like, eh, we're not making that again. Yeah. And then other ones we were like, oh, God, so good. That's a go-to. Yeah, and so that's a go-to. That's like a staple every week. Yeah. And so, you know, usually it's vegetables or a couple of vegetables, um, either sautéed in some kind of fat, you know, whether it's coconut oil or... Um, something like that, grass-fed lard or um, something like that, butter. And then sometimes sometimes sweet potatoes, you know, usually cooked in same thing. Cooked. Most carbohydrates are, like, in a bed of fat. Right. Okay. Um, that, and, and, you, and it's not like, like, you don't have to dump a ton on there, but, like, fat is so, like, calorie-dense. You just need a couple, you know, spoonfuls and for, you know, a family of five, and, and it really makes it, makes it taste good for one thing. And, uh, um and and it's easy and and then usually some kind of good meat you know good grass-fed you know steak or hamburger or um you know we, we we try to do a variety of meats so like i don't i don't just go like chicken and steak you know i you know we 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 usually get beef from a local guy you know a quarter of our deep freeze and then you know i i just bought a whole sheep recently from a guy local guy um and i mean i have a family of five to and I have a fourteen-year-old son. Well, that's so what I was going to ask. So your like kids are all on it, yeah. right? So your whole family's doing this, or yeah, everyone's doing it. We okay. just don't restrict. I don't restrict anything with the kids, like as right. far as like, you know, they eat tons of fruit and eat tons of of sweet potatoes, and you know, sometimes they'll mow through a whole bunch of almond butter. <laughs> <laughs> kind of pricey. Where did but that go? It's all right, <laughs> and uh, they're growing, especially fourteen-year-old right now. Um, yeah, and then you know. Sometimes I'll make like a, you know, an herbal tea in the evenings with a little bit of coconut oil and, and coconut milk, you know, so I've got a little fat in it and um, before bedtime, and that's kind of a typical day, you know. I usually have two cups of coffee a day, so one in the morning, the fat coffee I was talking about, and yeah. then I, I mix it like with a half and half, so I do decaf, half oh. decaf, half, right. half Regular. caffeinated. Yeah. <laughs> that way I can have my extra cup in the afternoon and only have a cup of caffeine cup a day. Of caffeine. Um, I used to be kind of a caffeine abuser before <laughs> when, I, when I was e- eating a lot of carbohydrates, I just crashed. I was crashing so much from all the hard training. I would get like these li- like weird energy lows during the day. And so I would go to caffeine because I work as a graphic designer and, and coach endurance coach, online endurance coach. So like being like alert in the afternoons is pretty important and sometimes after my workouts I'd be just dead right. so I would just drink a bunch of extra caffeine now, but I don't have to do that anymore now do you help like with your athletes that you coach do you do some of them ask questions about this stuff yeah as some well? people are coming to me because of that um, just to get help with that they may, may want to make a shift um, so I am I am doing that and I do some you know a little bit of consulting in, nutri- in the nutritional thing I'm working on a couple of certifications right now 
Um, so, you know, uh, you know, mainly just trying to help people get kind of dial in race day nutrition, you know, their everyday nutrition, especially if you're an endurance athlete, like you needed some good fats in your diet. And a lot of people are pretty low in good fats. Well, isn't that, that's been like the norm for so long is a lot of people like stay away from fats. Yeah. Well, we've been taught for like 50, 60 years to like, uh, you know, avoid fat because yeah. it's going to clog your arteries and right. ha- make your cholesterol off, go off the charts. But the science doesn't necessarily back that up. And I, mm-hmm. I recommend anyone who, who I, I recommend reading the big fat surprise. Um, a woman spent nine years researching and writing the book, um, she had no one funding it because her public, she'd already written a bestseller and the, the publisher said, what do you want to do for your second book? And she said, well, I have this hobby. <laughs> and, plan. and so she, she wrote this book and she went, she goes back to over a thousand scientific papers. She goes back to every cited paper and all the nutritional studies that all our policies have been based on. And she went back to those original papers that they're cited. And, um, and it's pretty interesting read. It'll open your eyes a little bit to the, not only to how scientific research is funded in the U.S., but also just, you know, how saturated fat and cholesterol were demonized and right. are, are, are ne- not necessarily, they're not the culprit. It's probably sugar. Yeah. Well, and we talked with <coughs> Peter Defty from Vespa in the spring, I think, because he was kind of one of the, I want to say, early guys in the nutrition field that's like, no, fat's not bad for you. And they kind of demonized him a little bit. Yeah. He talks yeah. about that. And now where he's like, well, now it's coming back around. So now yeah. they don't think I'm so crazy. I mean, you're a huge example just of what you're doing with Fat Adaptive, but it's definitely caught a lot more steam within the last, mm-hmm. I don't know, for me anyway, seeing it six to 12, 18 months. But Even Dom Layfield, when we talked to him, he was saying, well, I go out and do most of my runs just in the fasted states. Yeah. and Which helps. Which helps, yeah. right? Yep. And then Even if you don't do the shift I, I did, like, yeah. and going a little stricter with diet, like, you know, um, you can still get some some adaptation yeah and with uh, tim noakes you know he was kind of like the godfather of nutrition for endurance athletes and then he made that change and everybody's yeah, and, calling and, him a heretic right now oh they totally are yeah trying <laughs> to run them out of the country there's a giant system yeah <laughs> that uh that you don't want to go against or you could get your uh, career can get pretty muddied right and you don't get research money and all kinds sure. of stuff but i think that uh mark from Mark from uh, Mark's Daily Apple, Mark Sisson, he did a really good podcast on endurance athletes. And wasn't really talking about uh, ultra runners, but just like marathoners and all and um, triathletes. And he was basically saying the same thing you're saying. So if you're really interested and don't necessarily want to read, so Mark Sisson did a really good podcast with Joe Rogan, and they talked for several hours on this subject. It's a really good listen. Yeah, Mark. I mean, he's the you know he's the author of Primal Blueprint, right. which I really like. I like his lifestyle approach to yep. this this type of type of lifestyle of what I'm doing, and uh, he's he's the first blog I found. Right. MarksDailyApple.com. Like when I was having these issues with Candida and right. and I and I was just like that's where I, I I went to him his blog and he had so much good information and it made sense right. from like the way we're genetically coded and like hunter gatherer background and you know we haven't been farming that long right. you know, 7 to 9000 years <laughs> it's it's a blip in our genetic code you it know is. and so you know just understanding like kind of mirroring that primal existence in a in a technology age it's 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 pretty 
you know, it spoke to me right. personally. Well, it had to, right? You had to do something. I had to do something because while I was doing, the status quo was not working. No, it was getting worse. Yep. So that's and awesome that you were able to do that, though, and to see the results. Yeah, I have not to say only, it's been one of those aha moments in yeah, life. Not only your, your general health, which, you know, that's what you want to take care of first and foremost, but then you've got this other really big benefit of I can go out, I can run 100 miles on less calories and have, if not same results, better results at a gently aging athlete. <laughs> well, I lost eight pounds. Yeah, like, yeah. What was funny is we saw you earlier in the hall. Oh, yeah. And Eric goes, did you see Browning? you see how skinny he is? And I'm like, yeah, That's he like, is skinny. He's our age. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 just, I didn't realize how much sy- systemic kind of inflammation I had going on until, uh, you know, what, what's interesting, too, is that um, – I, I was having trouble, more and more trouble with hundreds getting down to like my race weight right. of like I'd always raced at. So what's that at? Well, now I weigh about like dead on 138, like always. <laughs> Sixth grade. And so what was your <laughs> <laughs> what was your race weight before? About what? 145. Yeah. Oh my and, gosh. Um, but interestingly, I'm at the same weight as I was when I was 18 or 19 before I went to college and drank beer. Right. So, yeah. So Wait I, a minute. Before I got the freshman 15 <laughs> yeah. you know, or 25 or whatever. <laughs> and uh, so, like, what that's what's interesting to me is, like, I, my body just naturally reset itself right. at my 19-year-old weight yeah. and then stabilized. It did in the first two and a half weeks on the diet. Really? Like it just, I, I lost a bunch of weight. First two and a half weeks, you said? Yep, all happened in two Holy and a half weeks. Holy cow. It just zapped off, and then I, you have to remember I was training for hurt, too, so True. I was doing really yeah. decent volume at the time. Yeah. But, but so it came off a little faster than normal. Right. But it, it, it zapped off, and then it quit. Okay. It sta- and, I, and I was worried about it. I, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, like, get too light right and 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 so i was like really like concentrating i went and bought a brand new scale yeah i put it in there and so i was charting morning and evening right what my weight was Make sure you so didn't i drop made too sure low. i didn't drop too low yeah okay. and and what's interesting is i just it just stabilized and it's still the same no matter what like i might lose a pound after a hundred oh well, yeah but then i put it back on within uh, two weeks right wow. and so it's just been very very consistent right and um, that's just overall health, though. That's yeah. got to be just crazy good for your all your systems, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you're just at this stable yeah. part of everything. It's not yeah. this fluctuation of I just lost ten pounds. Yeah, I have no fluctuation anymore, yeah. and it's really it's been cool. You know, just um, it did shock some family members because you know it happened in really quickly, and, right. and I got and I at the time I had to re. I mean, I went down like. I went back down to my high school waist size, too. That's crazy. And so I had to buy new jeans. Yeah. So I, I went and bought some skinny jeans. I was going to say. You know? Like, I was kicking some hipster skinny jeans. With the help of my wife, she helped me pick some out. And she was like, you have good in these. Yeah. And uh, so, like, you know, I went to Christmas, and my family were like, whoa. Like, like oh, guys, he's they, sick. What's yeah, going well, on? They, were, they said, said, you're a little too skinny. Yeah. And, and just because they were used to seeing me for the last 20-some years, you know, 145. Yeah, you know? 145 to 150. Yeah. You know, in the winter, I was 150, 152. Because ice cream is really good in the oh, winter. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and a lot of beer. Now, <laughs> with it being national, Bend, a lot of good yeah. beer. With it being national IPA day, did, have you cut beer? Um, I have it on, I don't keep it in the house. I drink, I drink red wine. Okay. Um, but I do re- drink red wine pretty regularly. Well, what's that mean, like a couple times a week? Yeah, like two or three times a week. Okay. You know, um... My wife and I have always been kind of red wine drinkers right. um, at home. And then if I go out and meet guys out for drinks, I'll have a beer. 
Now, because, uh, do you find bend, that? So. Yeah, no, like today, it's like there's always happy hour to OR. I'm, yeah, I'm going right. to drink a beer today. <laughs> do you for find sure. that beer sets that inflammation off again for you more than red wine? Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think Dr. Volick had, had seen some clients, you know, drink a couple of glasses that are really good and fat adapted. They've seen some them stay in ketosis even after drinking a couple of glasses of red wine every night. Okay. <laughs> you know, endurance athletes. So, um, I don't, I don't sweat it. I, I mean, I like red wine, so, right. um, I'll drink red wine. And then, um, if I have a choice to somewhere, if there's wine and good wine and right. beer, I'll pick wine. Right. I try to make good choices when I can, but you know, I do like a good pale ale and, um, so, or in a good English ale, especially if it's on nitro. Okay. Um, well, you've got some you got some watering holes in Bend. Oh too. man, there's yeah. a lot of breweries, yeah. dude, and, and good that's, breweries. That's too. what I was gonna say. Some so, of my, like, like, I do. I like to go IPA. enjoy one. I just don't ever drink it back. I try not to drink them back to back days too often. I will at OR. I drank one yesterday, and I'll, yeah. I drank <laughs> a couple to. yesterday. <laughs> okay, how many? Part of the industry. <laughs> and I'll drink a couple today. <laughs> yeah, I, I am on recovery mode. Yes, yeah, true. That's, there you go. So yeah. speaking of recovery mode, halfway through the year, you got anything coming up this year? Run Rabbit Run 100. Ooh. So yes. Have September you done that before? Six. Yeah, this will be my third time there. What do you think about that course? You like that course? Um, I like it. It's it's um, <coughs> I mean, it's not the. I think it's more the whole vibe of the race okay. that I like more than the course. The, right. There's sections of the course I really like. Yeah. And there's a couple of sections that are okay. You're just like, okay, let's hurry up and get yeah. this over with. But it also has a really stuff. good cash purse. So. True. Yeah, there you go. And I've been in the money twice, so yeah. I'm going back for some money, hopefully, you. too. So r- this year, r- who's running it this year? Who you? R- um, I haven't looked at the ultra sign-up. Um, you haven't done your stocking yet? I haven't done any stalking yet. Yeah. Um, I just got in with Hard Rock, man. Like, <laughs> Less you want to do is look I don't at some stats and think races. of how to race right now. <laughs> but um, I... I, I know Sage is coming. Yes. Um, Josh Arthur, who's yeah. been second there, um, and he ran really well against Rob Carr in 2014 when I was there. I got third. Right. Josh got second, and Rob won. Um, uh, there's a couple other younger guys that are uh, like haven't done a lot of hundreds, but right. or maybe new. They're new to hundreds. I can't remember. Just that youth is just. Right? Yeah, yeah, and there's kind of dark horses. You never yeah. know. They could nail it. Yeah. They could have a breakout race. Or they can so, blow up spectacularly. <laughs> exactly, and that race is a little long. It's not. It is, it's a little right? over 100 miles. Yeah. yeah. But um, but it's cool, and there's a lot of night running in that race because it starts. You know, the it's got the tortoise and hare division. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it, it's the the hares start at noon. So we have to we all have to race through the night. Right. Um, you know, it gets dark on us like before 50. Yep. And uh, so, you know, experience helps a little there. Yeah. And and it's good. I like it because my family likes to go. Steamboat's a cool town. Steamboat it is cool. It's a really fun town to take yep. your family to. They get to take over the whole Steamboat Village right. at, during the race because it's the slowest weekend of the year. Yep. So it's all runners and families, and it's a cool place to hang out. Right. And the families, it's really spectator spectator and crew friendly right like no there's not like massive driving or weird like it's all super easy to get to all the aid stations right and it's easy for my family to see me several times during the race and really not have to do much but drive like three miles right yeah. that's not awesome some, some crappy maybe four-wheel driver yeah or something exactly. like that. You, don't, you don't even have to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just like i'm there i mean right. i don't make my wife crew i've never i never have made her that's i made her smart man she crewed for me in the first western states and that was the last time <laughs> yeah um, no wonder you have such a long marriage. Well, we had kids. Yeah, we had right. kids. She was pregnant True. with my, my son at Western States in 2002, like three weeks from giving birth. Oh, my goodness. So after that, 
We had a baby. Yeah. yeah. And so somebody had to take I went baby. on drop bags <laughs> and no crew <laughs> um, for years right. until I finally, like, you know, five or six years ago, started getting one crew guy to, sh- to come and help me through aid stations. Yeah, you know, as nice. this as this speed has escalated in ultras. That's True. awesome, though, because we, we have friends and, you know, we're all into this. We're fans of the sport. We do the sport. But people are saying, oh, I want to know how, you know, he went from this to where he is now. Because right. it's not like you just popped on the scene like some people do and just are tearing it up. I mean, you right. have longevity. Yeah. Like you said earlier, like 50 percent, maybe mid pack to top 30 percent. Right. So you figured some things out and you got there. Um, and that's yeah, but people, people don't. I, I think that. Sometimes people don't realize that I have been doing this so 16 years, yeah, yeah. you know, 2,500s, and, and, and have won 14 of those. Yeah. Right. So, like, a pretty good winning percentage, too. I mean, yeah. pretty okay at 100s, I think. Yeah. Um, I kind of figured them out. You know, they're always, like, weird. They're always, like... Something. You know, it's always, like, throwing caution to the wind sometimes. You don't know how they're going to pan out. It's 100 miles. It's a long way, and a lot yes. can go wrong, you know? So... Um, well, it's interesting because you do well at 100 miles, like you were saying. That's the, but you see a lot of people that are 50 mile, 50k, and past that, it's the you know 60 mile mark, 70 mile mark. They fall apart, guts, different things like that. So it's yeah. different to see a guy that is solid at the 100 mile, like you said, but maybe not at a 50k because of leg speed or speed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at 45, you don't have awesome leg yeah, speed, yeah. and you. I mean, I'm okay. If you keep using it, you don't necessarily lose it. But I never had like awesome leg speed. Because I didn't use it in my 20s. Like, I had good leg speed in high school. You know, I ran okay. I ran, like, a, you know, PR, like, 202 in the 800 meter. Um, but but never, like, you know, didn't really, after that, was just casual running through college and got into mountain biking. So I didn't continue to do any kind of speed work. And so you lose that little bit of, like, really top end, I think, if you wait. Because I didn't start doing speed work until I was in my 30s. Wow. You know, um, again, from like 18 to, I took a big 14, 15 year break of not doing any speed work. Whereas if you keep doing it, you're not going to lose that much speed. No. Yeah. So I just don't have that quite, have that top end, you know. You give me an 100K or 100 miler and I can, it's long enough that I can, you know, work my way through the field. But, but you know. So where does the name Bronco Billy come from? Uh, a good buddy of mine, um, Jason Moyer in, in Bend, a solid ultra runner in his own right. Doesn't travel a lot in race, but but really good, like, kind of regional runner. Was kind of the ultra runner in Bend when I first got into it. And he kind of, he and I trained together a lot in 03. I paced him at Wasatch. And um, that, whole, that whole season, we did a ton of training runs together. And he's of Norse descent and looks very Viking nice. and, you know, and, uh, I used to call him berserker <laughs> and, and I came, grew up on a farm, kind of country boy. And, uh, I used to yell yeehaw a lot when we were in the woods and, <laughs> and he, he started calling me Bronco Billy. And, um, and so we like joked and called each other those kind of names all that whole season. And then in 04, I was looking early 04, I was looking for a way to, um, you know, share r- my race experiences with my family in the Midwest. So I started a blog, these things called blogs. Yeah, yeah right. And, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, I was looking for a domain name, and Bronco Billy wasn't available, and, and, uh, and Jeff Browning wasn't available, and then Bronco Billy wasn't available, and so I found Go Bronco Billy. And, right. you know, I'm, as a marketing person and 
graphic designer. I was like, I need an action word. And, um, so that kind of, I, I used that and, and started doing blog just for my family. And then blogs kind of took off. And yep. then and then social media came around. And I was like, well, I should get Go Bronco Billy. Yeah. And so I grabbed Twitter and grabbed Instagram. And, and so all those became, and then, you know, a bunch of friends. I had a bunch of friends that, you know, started calling me, running friends calling me Bronco all the time. And, and they started yelling at races. And, um, and, and so people start picking up on that, and, and as social media, everybody start calling me Bronco Billy, and and it's stuck, it's and stuck. and now it's taken on a life of its own, and it's how it works. It's how it works. Well, and you have Where's that the bobblehead coming out. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I know, right. I need a bobblehead. <laughs> Dashboard <Good>. bobblehead. Because yeah. <laughs> you have, I mean, you have a a certain look to you, right? I mean, you got the the runners with the longer hair, or the big bushy beards, but you've got the most of the time the Patagonia hat flipped up. You got your your glasses on, so you have the look. I, was t- too, I right? ran with Rob Carr and Max King this morning for a goo run, and uh, and they I had my hat all flared up, and I said, and and they were talking about someone made a comment because Rob and I had the same goo hat on, but he had his normal and I had mine all flipped up. And I said, actually, you know, I wear prescription glasses and I use it as a win, a, a wind fair, you know, like it, 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 it forces wind down over your glasses to keep them from fogging when you're really sweaty right. and humid. And so I've always done that, that you always see me with my hat up and yeah. that's why it makes my glasses not fog. Cause I have prescription lenses. And so, um, it just kind of happens that way. So I'm always like pushing my bill up <laughs> unless the sun's in my face. So, um, it's it's not really for hipster look. It's really for like it actually has a function. Well, right. too late because I have one of those the little duckbill hats. Oh, they're awesome, yeah, and shelters. I always flip mine up. Yeah. And it, part of the reason is like, what isn't that how you're supposed to wear them? That's, That's all I see pictures of. That's <laughs> how you know. wear them, right? Well, that Patagonia <laughs> trucker hat it comes pretty much with that, that flip. with the flip up. Yeah, the it pretty much flip. comes that way now. Yeah. Well, and also I liked. Well, like Are you cl- getting a percentage uh, of that? You should. Right? <laughs> I should what? You should get a percentage of every single one of those things. I'm the one that actually like made them bring that hat back because they used to make that oh, yeah. duckbill the, hat. The trucker oh, yeah. or the duckbill? The duckbill duck duck bill. Yeah. was made cool. back in the ni- late 90s, early yeah. 2000s. I remember one of the that. first running hats I ever got. Yep. Um, you know, I forked out for it. And when I first got an ultra running, and so I ran Western States in that, yep. in one of those hats. I still have the hat. It's got all kind of holes in it now, and it's well-worn. And uh, and I kept bringing it to design off-sites with Patagonia. And I like, put it down. I'm like, you need to make this hat again because right. every time I go to a race, people like, at least three people say, oh, I loved that hat. Yep. Yep. Why'd they get rid of it? And it was the best running hat. You could just like, stuff it in your pocket. Yep. And and so we, you know, probably took five years. They finally... And they sell them because I've gone on there and they've been sold out. Sold out. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you go, they, they've been a hot seller. They have. And I've got a couple. You know, a couple different a couple colorways. They're, just, they're super nice, especially because we're, you know, here in Utah and it gets hot. Yeah. Drop them in the creek, throw them on. Oh, it's yeah. not like heavy saturated, but it cools your. With nice. the giant holes in it, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. They're yeah. awesome hats. Yeah, so you got the you got the cool look, you got the cool name, <laughs> social media stuff. Well, no, I should throw. They're out there. This is this will make you feel a little old. Uh oh, I um, don't need that. Rod Rod <laughs> yeah, Bean is a good buddy of mine, and Ben. Yeah, we know he, Rod. he helps coach um, a cross country track <laughs> at a middle at his son's middle school, and. Um, they were saying, oh, aren't you an ultra runner, you know, in town or whatever? And they're talking to him about ultra running or whatever. And they said, there's another guy that's around here. He looks like, you know, like 90s, 90s guy. <laughs> you know? Serious? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so 90s guy? I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh. I'm totally like 90s guy. That's, that's awesome. That's how the that's kids new, are talking I'm like grunge you. 90s guy. You know? Hashtag <laughs> 90s guy. <laughs> <laughs> like with hashtag giddy up, it's that's hashtag true. 90s guy. Uh, well, so you got Run Rabbit Run. Anything else? Are you going to kind of wind it down and just 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've been toying with the idea. Um, I am going going to do a fast pack around on the Wonderland Trail with my son. Oh, nice. Um, in August. Um, so August is going to be like, you know, training for Run, Rabbit, Run, but also like chilling with my son too. Right. And, um, and then, and my family, because I've been traveling quite a bit. Um, this August is like downtime to hang out with family. And then um, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of going to maybe like Hellgate or something in December. You know, I, I told, you know, um, I told Horton I would come run that race at some point, and he's been bugging me for a few years to run it, and um, I need to run a Horton race. I've never run one, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that would be cool. So. Well, I have run Grindstone, but it's, it's not a Horton race anymore. Right. So what about it's, next year? Are you going to do looking at the Western Hard Rock thing again you talked about? I think about, Western or? UTMB next year. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I roll my ankle at UTMB and my only DNF. I got to make amends with the course. Get that right. taken care of. I time. need a shot at that. I, I, just, I just really want to run, get get a finish there. And it's a pretty special race because it's just so big. And there's, yeah. you know, Europe's so, it's cool because they're just, the spectator factor there is like crazy. Oh, I can imagine. Like just people like. You know, kids out at two o'clock in the morning on a mountain pass, like ringing a cowbell at you. Because that's normal for them, right? That's normal. Like yeah. they love it. They, they're There's into people it. everywhere on yeah. that course. Like you'll be in the middle. You think feel like you're in the middle of nowhere on a giant pass, kind of foggy, and you're like, right. "Whoa, there's there's like a throng of people up here." Yeah, yeah. We had into it. We had Brian Bexted on yeah. uh, the show, and he mentioned that he's like, "It's so cool because like three in the morning, they're and I can't remember the words he was saying. They were yelling when they're yeah, yeah, that's what it is. He's like, "Alay, alay," and they're ringing bells on the mountain. He's yeah, like, they're yelling really, in your face. Yeah, yeah. I like, mean, you, you see the Tour de France, and you know people like when they're on mountain side. climbs, and when right. people are running next to you and like right in their face, they yeah. do that kind of stuff. It's like they're yelling at you, kids are running next to you. And, it's that's really awesome. cool. Well, I know just cool. as, just watching it overseas. I mean, we're not we haven't been there, but just seeing it, it's just a whole different ball game altogether. Yeah, know? the mountain culture there is just, you know, they get all get out. Everyone yeah. gets out. You see, eighty year old women hiking up some steep, like gnarly trail. <laughs> They'd be passing me. Like, yeah. Hey, what's yeah. up? <laughs> yeah, they're just everyone gets out. But they also have you know refugias everywhere. And True. So you can like, you know, hike two hours uphill and, and stop then and get some wine and cheese. And get, yeah, wine and cheese or a cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sweet all three that sounds good it's like uh it's incentive to get a little farther up in the mountains so well i i i'm good i appreciate you coming on the show like i said i know you're busy we've been looking forward to this show for multiple reasons obviously you know to meet you in person i mean i've exchanged emails with you but what you did this year hard rock western that's thanks for having me on guys yeah Yeah, that's awesome and then this fat adaptive is yeah it's good to uh, have those personal stories yeah yeah because like you said do the research when you got someone that's done the research has the you know the experience and the results of it i mean hey there's something that speaks there so it's something people should look into yeah. and and we always talk about healthy lifestyles anyway yeah. so but yeah thanks for taking the time with us good luck at uh, run rabbit run yeah thanks guys enjoy the time in the uh, wonderland trail with your kid yeah giddy up yeah there we go hashtag 90s guy yeah, that's right <laughs> hashtag 90s guy <laughs> all right we'll go have a beer here at or and thanks again for joining us yep. all right cheers thanks thank you for listening to the trail manners podcast We'd like to thank the one and only 90s guy, Jeff Browning, for joining us today. What awesome information. What great stuff. Congratulations, Jeff, on a fantastic season. We also want to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners, or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. Stop by the store page for some gear. Hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or even if you'd like to be on our show. So until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, You don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.